All right, what is happening, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Slightly Biased Sports Talks. As always, I'm Milan alongside Bowen. And today we actually have a special guest. We have none other than Skylar Gonzalez of the I Got Next podcast. Skylar, you want to introduce yourself? What's going on, everybody? Thank you guys for having me on. Looking forward to the show, man. Let's get into it. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to start with the NBA just because um, game three happened, I believe, on Saturday night or Sunday night? Sunday not- night after the Sunday year night. final. And um, we have a lot more to talk about in terms of the Euro final and the Copa America final. But uh, in terms of the NBA finals game three, Giannis was able to finally seal a game off the Phoenix Suns. Bowen, talk to me about it. Yeah, Moen. Uh, well, first off, I want to say, Scholar, thanks for coming on to the show, man. Really appreciate having you here for his guest. Uh, so it's great to have a guest and really, really looking forward to our time here. But uh, yeah, Giannis able to steal game in the notes, one you have you have him stealing game three. I'm not so sure about that. That was a pretty dominant performance, but yeah, drops 41 points, 13 rebounds, and a 20 point uh, win. Um, great performance from him. Would you would you guys say that Giannis has been the best player on the floor of this series? I think in terms of what teams need, yes. Uh, I mean, he the game before this, he also put up 40 something points, but obviously Middleton had a uh, had a bit of a nightmare in game two but in terms of what teams need in performances Giannis being the main scorer of the ball on that Bucks team uh, I'd say he is in the series so far but you know you can't overlook someone like Chris Paul or Devin Booker even though he had a not too good of a game uh, you still can't back him on having another 10 game performance you know what I mean or 10 point performance in a game uh, but I would say so yeah well, yeah, I mean, Devin Booker, 10 points, 3 of 14 from uh, from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3. That was probably the worst game Devin Booker's had in this whole playoff run, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other hand, that's probably one of Giannis's top three games of the play- of this playoff run. So, um, obviously, uh, it's difficult to say that, you know, this is a steal. I just kind of said it because it was looking to be a sweep in terms of right. uh, how the Suns have been playing against the Bucks. But, you know, Giannis putting up 13 of 17 from the free throw line. We don't really normally see that from Giannis. Giannis is pretty – he's pretty timid from the line. Uh, also, 14 for 23 from the floor. I don't know. I'd say that was probably their best chance to get back into the series, and they took it very, very well. And uh, coming into this game four in Milwaukee again, I think um, the series is still wide open. That's the yeah. one thing I will say. They have to win this next game because no team – oh, I guess aside from the Cavs have come back from a 3-1 – uh, and even then, I wouldn't bank on them coming back from that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, for me, <clears throat> excuse me, for me, what stood out was uh, Giannis, as you said, Milan, going 13 of 17 from the line. I really respect that part of his game. You know, we all, the rage right now on social media and Twitter is talking about how bad Ben Simmons is and how he's scared to, you know, go up to the line, shoot free throws. At least Giannis has that part of his game and he's willing to, you know, acknowledge he's not the greatest excuse me, he's not the greatest at that aspect of his game, but he'll still go and shoot them. Um, Obviously, the closest margin of this finals has been 10 points, which was in game two. Uh, Obviously, both of you guys, I'm sure we're all looking for a closer game. Do you think we'll get that tonight? I'm not sure, to be honest. Like, if Giannis plays the same way he played last time, and if, you know, I guess I would expect Devin Booker to show up a little bit more, so I guess in a sense it would be closer, but if Giannis shows up the same way he did last game and the game before, it's it's going to be difficult, right? Especially in front of that Milwaukee crowd. That's true. Um, the one thing I would say, which I agree uh, with Milan in the sense that, you know, if Giannis is able to get going 
at home court. We've seen how much home court really helps teams. It really builds your momentum. But I feel like this was just that was the first game in game three where the Bucks sort of unlocked the Suns and sort of figured out, OK, this is what we can do. Um, obviously, like we said before, it depends a lot on Giannis's supporting cast, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, uh, Brooke Lopez, those kind of guys. They still need to put in the performances because at the end of the day, Giannis can put up 50, 60 points, however much he wants. But if you guys aren't going to put the ball in the basket either, it's not going to do nothing. The Suns have as much as they have two superstars right now and Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they have such a good team with DeAndre Ayton, uh, Jake Crowder's playing very well, McCall Bridges, all these different guys that come in and they just know their jobs. They know what they're doing. Um, so they play like a real team. It'll be a very interesting game, game four. Um, I hope the Bucks win because my money's on the Bucks. Uh, I can't afford to lose any more money after what happened in the Euros. <laughs> um, so please, please, Giannis, please help me out. Oh, yeah. Wow. I didn't know you had, uh, you had money on the Bucks for, for the playoffs. I had it from before. I didn't think like, because this is like, when, when the Suns were just, I think they just beat the Lakers. And I'm like, okay, they had a good run. You know what I mean? Mm. There's no way they're getting to the finals. And, uh, you know, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Bone has here in the notes that, you know, the Bucks have only lost one game at home um, this playoffs. And it was game one versus Atlanta when Trey went for 48 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Suns also are pretty good on the road six and three, and they haven't lost back-to-back games yet in the playoffs. So, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting game tonight. Um, if I were to predict it, mm-hmm, yeah, uh, I'd maybe give Bucks by eight. By it's gonna be a close specific? one. Okay, yeah. I yeah, Scott. What what are your thoughts on what what do you think goes down tonight? I don't know if I can if I can predict it to the points, but I would say yeah, it'll be a close game. Um, I don't think it'll be another twenty point blowout, nothing like that. Um, probably. 10 or less because I don't know man because you know playoff mentality everything is just a lot more intense and everyone you know gets in each other's face all kind of stuff so I think it'll be a very close game less than 10 points for me for sure yeah I'm, I'm right there with both you guys I think uh you know both teams are gonna want it as much as any game this series you know with each game the intensity level just rises that much more so I think uh give me Phoenix but give me them by five Phoenix. going with the Bucks okay. or the the Suns um, any, any more thoughts on basketball before we get into the beautiful game? Cause we got a lot on that. Uh, I do just want to say one thing just because uh, we mentioned Trey young. I'm such a fan of Trey young's game. Now I didn't ever really ping him as like someone to be the villain, so to speak. Yeah, but exactly. I love the way he fits into the role. He plays into it. Well, um, I love what he's doing in Atlanta. Atlanta have a good young team, him, John Collins, guys like that i'm a big fan of cam reddish though from when he was on duke i don't he's not really doing his thing too much yet obviously because you know you're you're still relatively new into the league all kind of stuff so i'll give you some time but they have a very good team and potential to you know do some things in the future of the league but yeah i'll pose one question to that scholar um a lot of people have been you know talking about the nba next season in the eastern conference and a lot of people have you know atlanta kind of making a run back people saying if the bucks don't win the title this year Atlanta is going to be a force in the East next year alongside Brooklyn. Do you think, do you, do you agree with that kind of one of thinking or are you, um, are you wanting to push back on that? I think they could definitely still have a successful season. Now, how successful is it going to be as successful as this year or, or whatever up for debate um, in terms of them being up there with Brooklyn? I don't know. Brooklyn, even though, yes, they lost the, to, to the Bucks. 
I'd still have to put them a little bit higher just because uh, simply of on paper of the squad that you guys have. But the East has always been one of those leagues where, or one of those um, conferences where they might not have the best team, so to speak, because the West has always been with the powerhouses. But the East seems very compact in the sense where teams one through six, one through seven could have all beaten each other because you have obviously the Bucks, you have Brooklyn, 76, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, mm-hmm. Miami Heat, I'm assuming Oladipo will be healthy for next season. So him, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler here, all those kind of guys, they should be doing their thing too. Um, I'm biased, so you know what I mean? Let's just throw the Raptors in there. Why not? Tail end, let's throw them in there. Uh, okay, we're getting yeah. a high pick. We're going to kill it <laughs> next year, yo. Exactly. So uh, I don't know, man. I wouldn't say they, they, they're a shoo-in to have a, another good run like how they did this year. But down the line, you know, when those guys, if assuming you can keep your core players together, when they start hitting their primes, it'll be a very scary Atlanta team, I think. Totally, yeah. And, like, the, the, big, the big thing there with Atlanta is, you know, uh, John Collins, I believe he's a restricted free agent this summer. So if someone gives him a high offer, uh, Atlanta may very well let him walk. So that's, that's a big piece to that, but I totally agree. Like you made a great point there with how, you know, the core is young and they're only getting better. This isn't, this isn't kind of a Milwaukee team where everyone's, you know, in their primes, uh, or even kind of almost past their primes. This team has a lot of room to grow. And I definitely think that was probably, uh, would you guys say that the Atlanta making the conference finals was definitely not on your bingo cards? One of the most unexpected things of the playoffs? I'd say that's more unexpected than uh, than the Suns making it as far as they did. Because I if I had them like going to seven against the Knicks and potentially the Knicks winning, because I thought the Knicks were serious. This guy, Trey Young, just completely destroyed Madison Square. <laughs> <laughs> became the biggest villain in New York. Like that guy can't walk alone on the streets of New York ever again now. Oh my. Yeah. I don't. Cause they finished what? Sixth or fifth in the conference. Yeah. I around there. Yeah, yeah. Around there. Yeah. Not at all. Did I think they would make it to where they did. Um, especially in such a hostile environment, like the, like the, the Knicks and the garden. Um, and then Philly. Yeah. And Philly too. That that's true. Those are like two of the most hostile environments mm-hmm. in the NBA. And, you know, like we said before, such a young roster. Um, I'd even say Clint Capella, too. He's yeah. a stud for me. But, um, yeah, such a young squad. And to go into those type of environments and still get the results, it's, it's huge. It's, they have a very positive outlook for, for this in the coming season. 100%. Mullen, are we good to head on, on the football or anymore? Yeah, anymore? let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Mullen, you, uh, you can take this one away. <laughs> All right. Um... Well, as you guys may know, uh, July 10th, 2021, my 21st birthday. Shout out to me. Sure, but, um, you know, uh, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, there, there was a football match. Probably one of the biggest football matches we've seen in a very, very long time. Brazil versus Argentina at the Maracanã. I, I, I don't have words. I, I don't know what to say anymore. It's, Messi is the greatest ever. He's, he is the greatest ever. I don't care if he had a horrible game in the finals, even to like. Uh, as long as you said that, I'm, I'm good. Now we don't have to argue. Okay, okay. okay. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll track back. I'll track back. Okay. So after, you know, years and years and years of people saying Messi can't show up, Messi can't deliver for the national side, this, that, and the other. Uh, he delivers on his promise to Argentina, gives them an international trophy for the first time since 1987. This is other than the Olympics that he won in 08. This is the first international trophy Argentina has won since then. Uh, this now ties Argentina up joint top and Copa America wins alongside Uruguay at 15 each. 
uh, beating Brazil for the first time in 71 years at the Maracanã in a competitive match. Uh, like, and this all comes down to whether or not he, he didn't show up in the final. I'll, I'll be the first to say that. He did not play well in that final game. But with four goals, five assists, four men in the match awards, he was already announced player of the tournament before the game was even played. Goat. Goat. Um, but yeah, what a game. I mean, it, the pitch was in what, some of the worst condition I've ever seen in my entire life in terms of a, like a professional pitch. Like It looked like they were playing in my backyard or something like that. But <laughs> fantastic game of football. Talent on both sides of the field. Um, Brazil, the obvious favorites coming into this game you know uh host nation dominating every single game i believe they were on a 16 winning streak um they were killing it but you know you never count out a team that has leo messi on his side and uh although he had a horrible game other than one one very big chance that you know he for some reason i think other well i can't even speak either he got nervous or he just forgot how to shoot or what i don't know what it was but this guy just missed a completely easy easy chance but you know Rodrigo de Paul as I call him Mr. Sauce from uh from Udinese now signed for Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. beautiful pass to Angel Di Maria who just chips it right over Ederson mm-hmm. um you know just unreal game extremely um extremely physical from both sides I believe in like the first five or ten minutes Neymar already had his uh his shorts ripped up Pacata yeah, had his, his sock ripped up Okay, so oh, so are Brazil. So are Brazil. Nah, Let's... nah, nah. You should see. Oh my god, what's his name? Uh, Otamendi. That guy is just the ringleader for all of it. That guy wants to get in fights. Let, let's not act like Brazil does not have some dirty players on his own. You got, you got. They don't. Play... I mean, they do. They do. But I don't know. From what I've seen in the game, yo, you know how hard it is to rip someone's shorts. Like that's pretty. Like I've tried to rip yeah. people's shorts, but, that's but I don't hard. think that was the intention. <laughs> I don't think that was the intention. No, he didn't think your shorts were gonna give away, but I was like, "Damn, like what's going?" On? So yeah, someone had like a hole in their sock already. I was like, "Bro, what's Pacata, happening?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but also shout out to Pacata, hell of a tournament from this guy. You know, for, from the guy that I used to see playing for Milan, this is a completely different player. And um, am I shocked? No, we talked about this, I believe, last week, me and Bowen, how um, yeah. Pacata was a great player, and he was just put in the wrong position, uh, in the wrong. Uh, you know, situation to succeed at Milan. And I'm happy that he's getting better and better. He's definitely not going to be the next Kaka, as so many people have uh, have dubbed him to be. He's a completely different player. Kaka's name. First, yeah, first of all, put some respect on Kaka. And then second of all, they're completely different players. I mean, uh, yeah. Kaka was a, a more forward midfielder. He was almost like a second striker in that sense. And Pakata is like a clear central attacking midfielder that stays his role and, you know, knows what to do. He creates um so yeah i'd say they're different players but what do you guys have to say about the game because i'm just going to keep talking right now i'm never going <laughs> to stop um it was a great game to watch especially as a neutral um my own like i didn't really care who won i sort of i had a feeling messi was going to pull it out just because like we know about messi you know what i mean like you know how that works you know mm-hmm. how that story ends um the only thing like i i, I maybe by the slightest wanted brazil to win because if you know me you know i'm a huge Charleston fan uh, on FIFA, if a Richarlison play... fan or, or a fan of the guy that Messi isn't? No, 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 no. If you play FIFA and you do career mode, whatever, sign Richarlison. I promise you, all your problems solved. He's fast. He can. He's strong on the ball. He can head the ball. He, uh, everything. He's perfect. I, I love Richarlison. He actually had a chance um, that he was offside. Obviously, he scored, but he was offside, so it didn't count. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. So 
the only thing I have to say about the game in terms of as it pertains to Messi, let's get let's not get it twisted. He's the only reason Argentina's there. Let's we'll say that flat out. 100%. Right? What was it? 100%. Four goals, five assists, four man of the matches awards. If you say that, oh, you know, it was a team performance. No, 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 no. Messi got them to the final. Okay. But the only thing we're like, I mean, I'm not saying it, but I've already spoken to people who have saying, uh, said it already. The whole Messi not performing in big games, this game sort of played into that. Just because, you know, this was the final. You need to win this game. This is the big one of the tournament. And obviously, like we said before, he didn't have, you know, too good of a showing. You know what I mean? He didn't, he, he didn't do too much. Uh, wasn't involved on the goal. Whatever. It's not like he had a horrible game, but obviously to his standards, let's be honest here, didn't mm-hmm. do much. Um, like, like I said, I'm not saying that, but some people do say that or how that would play into his whole, you know. So you're you not saying it. that he's uh, he's not showing in big games, or you are saying he's showing in big games? I just need to understand. No, no, but let's no, no, but let's just let, let's be honest here. The narrative is that Messi doesn't play in big no, no, games. No, no. That's I, I need your opinion. I need your opinion. I don't need a narrative. I, I think. I think. I think. Well, okay, because I know where you're going with this. We'll just go. We'll address the elephant in the room here. No, 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 okay. no, no elephant in the room. No, no, no. Time out. Time out. I just need to know right now if you think he, he does not show up in big games. He does more often than not. But this is what I'm saying because there's that whole, you know, you want to talk about oh, the GOAT discussion, whatever. I don't, first things first, I don't think you can say either one, Messi or Ronaldo, have ever been undisputed GOAT. You can't do that just because they're so back and forth. Um, right. Me as a Ronaldo fan, I'm going to be honest, he performs more in big games. He, he'll, 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 he'll put the ball in the back of the net. That's not saying Messi doesn't do that, but it's to say that not as often. And shown July 10th when, when he didn't do much. Um, but yeah, like I said, he's the only reason Argentina made it to that final. Um, Messi's one of those guys where even though you're an all-star, you're a superstar, even if you're not having a good game, the whole defense is still catered towards you, whether or not you even have the ball or not. So then let's say just for example, Rodrigo DePaul having that ball to play over the top for Di Maria on the right. Brazil wasn't expecting that. <laughs> because Messi's on the left. You know what I'm saying? So every, it doesn't matter what Messi's doing. Because of your status and, and you're, you being one of the GOATs, everyone's just going to cater towards you, regardless if you're having a good game, bad game, whatever. So it, it, it's one of those ones where um, he indirectly got the assist for the goal. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> indirectly, he, had, he got an assist that game. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. It was, it, it was good to see him finally get his international trophy. He's like one for 10 now with that. So I mean, that actually made it sound worse. I didn't even try oh, to do that. Oh my god, this guy just <laughs> no. That actually made it sound worse. I'm not even. I'm not even trying to do that. Oh my goodness. I didn't even try to do that, but he's one for ten. At least he got one. You know what I mean? At least now people can dead the whole like, oh, no international trophy. What's uh? What's Ronaldo? One for? I have no idea. Actually, he's got two. So you can uh. Can we not count the Nations League as a trophy? Why not? Why not? The Nations League counts. Why not? Why not? The Nations League. Okay. So See, how does that competition is... work? No, 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 time out. Skyler, I want you to explain to me how that competition works. No, no, I don't wait, know. Wait, listen, 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 listen. Who, if you look up the winners of the Nations, what was that, 2019? Yes, I believe so. Who are, who are the winners? Oh, right. For, I just wanted leagues, to know. Right? Who, who are the winners for the 2019? No, Nations but League? can you just explain to me how the Nations League works? Like, I, I, just want, I, just want, I just want you to tell me who won. Who I know who trophy. won. So you who and I trophy? both know who won. Who lifted the trophy? Bernardo Silva did. No, no, you're lying. But anyways, um, if you, you don't want to count that, okay, fine. We don't have to count that. Sure, whatever you want to do. We can just un- un- unvalidate trophies now if you want to do that. No, it's just, um, I w- how is the Nations League as, like, how do you compare that to, that's the same thing as the Olympics, I'd say. Personally. Hey, man, you're the one that said you didn't want to count the Olympics. I, I didn't say that. 
Okay, so then where he's two for ten, he's not one for ten. Okay, two for ten. Okay, and Ronaldo is two for. I don't know. I literally, I legitimately don't know. But I mean, he's got a Euros, which I think is bigger than Copa America. We can get into that after when we talk to Euros. No, seriously, do you think Copa America is bigger than Euros? I was meaning to ask that question uh, later on, though. Okay, yeah. Um, the way I see it, you can't hold a guy where a guy lives as to you know no, which no, is yeah. more difficult to win. Um, and I mean, if Messi decided to play for Spain, we all know Spain would have three World Cups and three Euros straight. Whoa. Would not lose ever. Uh, okay. I don't know about that one. I don't know. I don't know. About how, how not? Explain how yourself. Not. So, wait, so obviously, I mean, look the at it this way. If, they... if he started playing there, oh, seven, let's say, right? He'd start playing there, oh, seven, oh, eight, he'd win the Euros without even that. being the most important thing, without even being the most important part of that team. Uh, 2010, he'd win the World Cup. 2012, he'd win the Euros. 2014, he would be the best player in, on his team who already led Argentina to a final, and then he would be leading Spain to a final, probably won the World Cup Germany? there. I think so. I, don't know. I think I, don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't know I die on the hill that if Di Maria was healthy for that Germany game, Argentina would have won. Maybe, mm, anyways, yeah, go on. Uh, so yeah, 2014. There's your answer. 2016, he'd be playing in the Euros. That's a little bit more difficult. I think France might edge them there, but I think he would still make a very, very deep run. Uh, 2018, I think he could have won it, it had, considering that he was on that side of the bracket where it was England and Croatia that were only the, the team that got to the semifinals. Mm. I believe Spain lost in the first round. Lost to, to Russia on Russia penalties. On penalties. Game, like a thousand Capitulations like I've, like I've never seen before from uh, against the host nation as well. But, I mean, those guys are running in the 120th minutes if they were pl- playing the first minute because those guys <laughs> are on some crazy steroids. And I... I <laughs> Whatever. I think that if Messi were to choose to play in Europe, that's what would have happened, right? Um, if you could argue in a different sense that Ronaldo were to play for Brazil, I don't know. So, so okay, but wait, but wait. Like, I, I, I'm not like, it's not like I disagree. But like, so right now, as the competition stands, which one do you think is harder to win? Oh, it's, it's difficult. Here's, here's the rationale as to why I can't, clear cut say one is more difficult mm. because as we saw in that final playing in South America is it's a different game from Europe, right? You got tackles mm. that just aren't given. You got like boots to the head, pants ripped, socks ripped, no call. It's only right? when you play Argentina, but yeah. No, that's <laughs> I'm kidding. Did you, I'm kidding, did you watch ahead. Argentina Colombia? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, okay. That, that was UFC. That was anti-football. <laughs> that was not that was not the beautiful game. Um that's how they play in South America because that's how they you know that's how they learn the game. They they're aggressive, right? They don't care. They they fight to the end. That's why we see South American teams pushing like so deep into the World Cup tournaments, right? Uh, on the contrary to Europe, you got a lot more talent in Europe, right? You got the likes of France, Germany, England, Italy, Spain. That's just the big five. Mm-hmm. You've got teams like Croatia every now and then that you know push. Um, you've got Denmark, Czech Republic. That's Switzerland. I'd say those are all teams that are solid, though, and all those teams would make deep runs in the Copa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you've just got talent in the uh, the Euros that are that's beyond the talent that's in Copa America. But Copa America is a much more physical and difficult game to win because if yeah. you win in Copa America, it's a you know you won the game, right? My- my whole logic with which, yeah, I agree. It's a completely different game. South America is di- like, it's just rougher. If you ever watch, like, if you're one of, if you're like me and you just watch like 
football compilations about whatever. If you ever look out, like, if you ever look up, like, oh, best fights or whatever in this it's, year, it's all always of them are South America. Yeah, Argentina, Colombia. Yeah, all of them are in South America. Like that. That's what it is. Um, my my logic is where this is where I kind of say Euros probably has the edge. Is just for the FIFA rankings in general. Usually, the European teams are a little bit higher. Uh, in terms of the World Cup tournaments, usually it's the European teams that are favored and, and usually come out on top over South American teams. Um, that's not to say that South American, obviously, okay, look, South American teams have what? I'd say two, three out of the top four best players in the world right now, whichever way you want to slot it. They have Messi, Neymar, back when he was in his prime, Luis Suarez was there. Um, I'm a huge fan of Cavani, so he's our Uruguay as well. Like they have a squad, they have guys. Um, but in terms of, yeah, like like I said, like the FIFA rankings, all that kind of stuff is where I sort of give the Euros the edge a little bit more. Uh, even like in terms of coverage too, like there's more coverage for the Euros than there are in Copa America. Here that's, in, a little in bit of, that's a little bit of political stuff. Yeah, in, in Canada, it's like with, that. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously if you're in South America, it's completely different. You might not even see anything about the Euros if you're in South America, but that's that, that's where I give them the edge just a, t- just a little bit. What about you, Bone? Copa America or Euros? Okay, can I can I take the conversation back to what you're saying about Spain really quickly? Okay, I was just thinking, and um, I just I just wanted. To, I know we're going off topic a bit here, but I just want to disagree because, you know, you know how back when we talk about Michael Jordan retiring, going to play baseball, doing all that, people assumed he would, you know, win eight straight titles. I think you're kind of assuming that Spain would just plug and play Messi and they'd win all those titles. Would you agree? Okay. I guess, but it's just I know because I've seen though. the thing is I see Messi play with those Spanish teammates, right? I see him with Xavi, with Iniesta, with David Villa. I see the way he plays at Barcelona, and that's why I I can I guess make that estimated assumption that he's gonna ball for Spain as well. It mm-hmm. is a fair assumption, like the same way like the whole Michael Jordan thing, because like to be honest, he won with Jordan the three leading up to it and the three after that when he came back. So it's kind of like a more fair assumption to say that it's not that it's true but with Jordan. You know. It's actually a little bit more complicated. The more I look into it, because people forget that Hakeem Olajuwon during those two years of Jordan's, you know, break top was, uh, the best, the best yeah. years of his career. Like would he have beaten uh, the, the, um, the Chicago Bulls? I think so in the finals, if had they come up against each other, like, I don't think it would have been like, you know, that far fetched to say that to, personally. I don't yeah. think he could have gone eight rings purely because Hakimi Lajon was at the top of his game. For me, top two, top three centers of all time. Thank you. Um, the one thing I agree, but I'm going to just for the sake of it. Um, I'm a huge fan of Hakimi Lajon, you know, 2K, you know what I mean? Create a player, player <laughs> DNA, Hakimi Lajon. That's my center, right? Um, the one reason why I would say he might have actually still at least got seven. Um, as I know from the year he retired and won the championship, obviously, I think they won 56 games in the regular season when he retired and it was just Scott. Yeah. And it was just Scotty Pippen. Yeah. I think they won 55 games or something like that. So it's not like the team dropped off draft. It's not like when LeBron left the Cavs, like you guys yeah, are in the yeah. finals to the lottery, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were still a very good team. So I would like to think they might've still pulled it off, but if someone were to tell like if Milan saying like, Oh, Houston would have won. I'm not mad at that at all because I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that Houston Rockets team, the Kim Olajuwon. Uh, what's his what's his what's his name now? High flyer, Torres AC Torres Achilles came back. Um, oh dude, name? what the heck? I can picture him. Uh, Dominique Wilkins. I was oh, just about to say Dominique Wilkins. 
I think it was Dominic. No, I'm pretty sure he was on that. Clyde Drexler no? played for Portland, no? Yeah, no, no, he did. He did go to. Oh, he ended up going to Houston eventually. Later, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that. I'm a I'm a football guy. I'm not a basketball. Anyways, guy. we're we're going completely <laughs> off topic. Bone Bone is bringing up a valid point about about this whole Spain argument. And yeah, Bone, let's bring it back here. Mm. The 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 point you had about the Spain arg- debate or whatever. Why exactly would you disagree on the sense that you're not accounting for burnout? You're not accounting for all these external factors. You're just thinking that one player and I get what you're saying about teammates. He already has continuity with playing in La Liga and playing with and against those players that he would be playing with on the national team. But I don't think you're taking into account the effect of penalty shootout, a bad day at the office, um, players getting injured, managerial changes. Like it's not that simple. It's not like a one to one connection if that makes sense that's like what i'm trying to say i hear i hear you're saying it's yeah it's too it's difficult to just automatically put him out there it's just mm-hmm. i'm basing it on pure talent ability and it is a the fair fact, assumption the fact that i've you know i've seen we've all seen him play how he plays in spain alongside these right. superstars right so if you were to just make an estimate then i think that's what could happen but like you're saying it, it's very you know it's very difficult to just say what what if he gets an injury, right? You can't you yeah. can't account for that. What if he uh oh that's tough. Tough. <laughs> um do you wanna do you wanna cut it soon and then we'll just yeah, do yeah. part two? Okay. So <laughs> just cut it after this argument and then yeah, anyways. Okay, as I was saying, yeah. So obviously you can't account for some of the the worst case scenarios for Messi, but if you didn't, you know, that could be what could happen in Messi's career had he chosen to play with the Spanish passport. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think, no, go bare, on, go on, go on. I think, bare minimum is so you said he would have, so it would have been six in general, three like they are that they already won, plus the two years in the World Cup after that, yeah, um, or no, two World Cups in a year after that. Um, I think, bare minimum, at least one, probably two. If you give them the benefit of the doubt of, like you said, something crazy happening around one tournament, something like that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think, let's be honest here, Messi is Spanish. He just, you know what I mean? He just had to go play for Argentina. <laughs> but he's Spanish. He grew up there. He plays that that style of football. Um, I mean, they they speak Spanish in Argentina. You know what I'm saying? So basically Spanish. But yeah. What's uh, what's your guys' case for Messi Ballon d'Or? Do you think it's it's a wrap? Do you think he's you know, no. one most deserving? Or I was thinking about this, and like, I would say yeah, but this is my problem with it because I don't know still to this day why they didn't do a Ballon d'Or ceremony last year. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it, okay, you can't be in person, live, whatever, but just like ship the thing off to Lewandowski. You know what I mean? I feel like Lewandowski was so robbed of a Ballon d'Or. And I was thinking, I was like, should you just give it to, Bal- to, to, to Lewandowski? But then it's like, you know what I mean? It's kind of not fair for, for what Messi did this year, for what a whole bunch of other guys did this year. Um, not to say Lewandowski's not deserving of it. I think he still had a great uh, season. He beat or he broke Gerd Mueller's record. Um, for By playing much less games because yeah. of injury. Yeah. yeah. So he definitely balled out. I think he's still worthy of a Ballon d'Or. Um, I would want to give it to him, but like, I don't know, like Messi played insane. Messi should get the Ballon d'Or this year. So I don't, you know what I mean? It's kind of tough. Bowen? Yeah, Milan, I just want to say here in the notes, it says, was it ever in doubt? I'd say 100% yes, it was in doubt. Um, first off, they finished third in La Liga, their lowest position in the, the league since I believe the year before Pep took over. Secondly, they only won one trophy. Uh, thirdly, they were pretty rowdy. Uh, 
uh, I can't speak. They're pretty embarrassed in the Champions League against PSG. Yes, Messi scored in both games, but they were brushed aside by Paris. Uh, so was it in doubt? Yes. Does he deserve it though? I yeah, I agree with you, Skylar. I definitely think he, you know, Messi, based off everything else he's achieved in the Copa America win, goes a long way into that accumulation of work. I definitely think he's. You have to consider him as one of the the main candidates for it. Cause you look, you look at the list and goal and goal Conte, he's not getting it. Cause France didn't win the Euro. Uh, yes. He was phenomenal in other competitions, but he just hasn't done enough. And it usually goes to a goal scorer. Lewandowski Bayern didn't go back to back in the champions league. I think that hurts him a lot. Plus the injury. Um, and then plus Poland. Like, yeah. And then <laughs> like Ronaldo, he, as much as you love Ronaldo, I don't think he's done enough either. So there's still the rest of the season to go, but I think, yeah, as of right now, he'd definitely be Messi would be in the driver's seat to win the Ballon d'Or come December. I'm just the reason happy you didn't say Jorginho. The, that, that's exactly my point. <laughs> the reason I say it wasn't in doubt is because, yes, we can argue that Messi, you know, third in the league, um, a slow start for his standards, didn't make a deep run in the Champions League. But, like, if we're only counting trophies, mm-hmm. then, yeah, Jorginho is the one that's most deserving. But we yeah. know Jorginho is not the the great, the best player of this year that deserves the trophy. It's Who's the best player? And I believe, uh, other than maybe Lewandowski, who you can potentially argue, I think it's a clear-cut Ballon d'Or for Messi, personally. Yeah, I think as it pertains to the Jorginho thing, like, I feel, and this is, like, with no disrespect, but I feel like he was just the guy that was on both teams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you go to that Champions League final... Like, Emerson Palmieri as well. well yeah, let's throw exactly, him into that exactly. <laughs> like... If it if you go to the Champions League final, I don't think he was the best player on that team uh, on the field. I think it was actually Reese James who did a job in that Champions League final yeah. holding uh, Raheem Sterling. Um, even if you go to the Euros, you have Spinazzola who was I think he still he still made team of the tournament, right? Yep. Even yes, though he did. got yeah he still did. He was for me the standout guy, and then obviously you still have the center back pairing of Kylian Bonucci that I think did better than than Jorginho did. Um, he was kind of you know on both teams and that's why I guess he's thrown into it. But just before we wrap up this part, like mm-hmm. what do you guys think about like these teams going forward, uh, especially Brazil, because Brazil, they looked great all tournament, but like, you know, obviously they didn't deliver on their home soil. Like where do they go from here in terms of competing for another world cup, potentially number six? It's, it's hard to say these kinds of things with national teams because it's not like you can just buy someone that fits your mold. You know what I mean? You're restricted to a certain pool of players. Um, The only things you can really do is if you so choose to um, get rid of the manager and, you know, implement a new system, you could do that, I guess, if you want. Um, Other than that, like, even though, yeah, okay, you guys lost in the finals, it's still a very strong team. Neymar's there. I'm a fan of Firmino. Um, Casemiro's there. Marquinhos, Ederson, Allison, and goal. They have a good team still. They'll still be competitive in the World Cup. Um, but in terms of like adjustments, that's the thing I can rethink of you doing. You know, maybe getting rid of the management and starting something new with a new style, but it's kind of tough. It's hard to say that too, because Tite has been fantastic since he's taken he's, over for Brazil, he, right? Yeah. Like he he's changed up their philosophy yeah. a lot more. You know, he's brought back players that are a little older and uh, like Santiago Silva playing a lot more for this Brazil side. Mm-hmm. the one thing i will say though because i was thinking about this the other day i was talking about it with my dad is brazil which i don't think they have someone like that now maybe the closest one to it is neymar um but if you look at brazil historically they have these players that are just 
they're demigods. Right. Yeah, they're they're big. They can drive with like R9 is probably the leading factor in that or the leading player in that. Uh, Ricardo Kaká was like that when he was in his prime. Adriano was like that. Mykon on the right. Like they're all these big players that can drive with so much power into space. Um, it doesn't look like they have that now. I guess it would be Neymar, even though he's like a bit smaller, shiftier, kind of kind of mold. But that was just one of the things I thought of. Yeah, and Scholar, that's a great point you bring up. And uh, yeah, we can talk about, you know, generational players, I guess you could call it. And those players all fit that mold, I would say. I'd, I'd argue that the only real player that kind of fits that mold right now for Brazil would be Neymar, right? Like who else do they, who else on Brazil right now kind of stacks up to those, those legends of days gone by? I, would, like, I, I don't think put, you can see anybody else. I would put Thiago Silva in that mold. I'm a huge fan of Thiago Silva. Uh, and maybe seen, goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah, them too. Just in terms of what he's done um, with PSG, now on Chelsea, uh, just being that leader voice in the locker room all the time, I, I'm a huge fan of his. All right, guys, welcome back to part two of this episode of SBST and um, on to the other final that happened over the weekend, the Euro 2020 final, England versus Italy. Sunday's final match was, you know, everything was made out to be. Um, it was it was a bloodbath. It was it was dramatic. It was it was everything you would want to see in a international final. Right. Um, but, you know, as always, England does what England does best and folds. Uh, Gareth Southgate took a lot of criticism for his lineup choice coming into the match. Um, he played pretty much the same lineup against Germany in terms of the five back. He played uh, Trippier and Shaw as the wing backs with Kyle Walker in the back alongside Maguire and Stones. The same midfield that's played throughout the tournament, the double pivot with uh, um, Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. But the weird one was starting Mason Mount, who hasn't played in a while, uh, was recovering from, I believe, I'm not sure if he had COVID or was just quarantine for covid um played him for the better half of the better part of this match i believe almost 100 minutes on the on the pitch um it was you know it arguably it was what lost england the match but we can get into that a little further um in terms of italy you know same organization we've seen them have throughout the tournament obviously without spinazola as we mentioned earlier on um but other than that you know, pretty much the same team. Chiesa started uh, playing from the starting moments a lot more than uh, Berardi did at the beginning of the tournament. But, you know, Roberto Mancini has done a fantastic job throughout this tournament. Uh, or so I thought until the second minute when Luke Shaw scores one of the luckiest volleys I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't think I've Put ever some seen respect anything. on Luke Shaw, Berto Carlos, bro. Come Stop. on, man. You, you know, know that was like lucky. That. You know no, that was lucky. Like, he's like that. Was that lucky? Luke Schaberto Carlos is like that. He'll do it again. Was that lucky? That's my guy. No. It was unexpected. You know it, was it was unexpected. That's what it was. So, so if you ask him to score like that 10 He'll times. He'll do it again. How many times? Will he score nine? Seven. Six. 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 I'll say six. I'll He's say like three that. out of ten. No. And that's me being generous. <laughs> nah. It was a great goal. It was a good goal. What do, what do you think, Bowen? Um, I think it was a what on the Shaw goal or just the yes, the Shaw goal, the Shaw goal. Yeah, um, I think it was a fantastic ball played in by Trippier. Uh, Shaw was open at the back post, his man didn't track him, and uh, it was a wonderful finish. And I thought it was going to be the end of, I thought it was going to be the end of England's you know international trophy though, but it turned out not to be the case. But yeah, I think could he do it more than three times? Yes, but I couldn't exactly put a number on it. The thing is, is like that goal never should have happened. Like, I don't even, I don't know what Di Lorenzo was even looking at when, when defending the ball was played strong. over. 
Yeah, yeah. like I don't know. Like he would, he had so he had like acres of room at the back post. Um, honestly, he had time to like settle it if he wanted to and then shoot. But um, yeah, it was it, it was a good finish. The goal was a real bad like mental lapse in terms mm-hmm. of really defense. I'll say. I can't wait until Calabria joins this team because that seems to be like Yo, the weakest you've come point. So, you've come so 180 on Calabria. This guy used to message me every AC Milan game hating on Calabria. I did. I did. And I, now you love him. <laughs> I need to, I need to, I need to be transparent here. I was the number one hater of David Calabria. I I <laughs> I I completely counted him out after last season. You know, he played uh he played the beginning of the season under Gianpaolo. Horrible. I don't think I've ever seen a worse player than what David Calabria. I would tweet David Calabria on TV off every single time like I would get onto the pitch. Every single time. Uh, Pioli came in. He was still not the best. But the season that just passed, from start to finish, he was our best player on the pitch, the most important position. You know, Diogo Dalot did not fill his boots as well as uh, Calabria did. Over Kessie, do you think? It's difficult because Kessie was important, but not mm-hmm. as important to the team because we still had the likes of Benacer, who when it was healthy was fantastic as well. Mr. Tonali, who played very, very well when he had his opportunity. I think for me that Calabria is starting to become to that player that Milan fans are looking for throughout the years in terms of he's going to be that fullback that we keep imagining him to be. We keep we keep saying he's going to be the next Zambrota, this, that, and the other. He's finally starting to get to that level. Will he achieve it? That remains to be seen, but I think he would have been fantastic for this Italy side, um, especially with how Mancini plays his, you know, as most uh, modern day managers play through their fullbacks, you know, the, the Liverpool style of football, the Barcelona style of football, play through the right back and the left back. Spinazzola, we saw it on the left. Um, Di Lorenzo doesn't really give as much going forward, but Calabria is fantastic for, you know, the long balls through. He'd he just be perfect for that Italy team, and I think, once he's healthy, unfortunately, he was suffering from a hernia this year, uh, coming into the Euros. He was not called up because of that. Had he been healthy, would have been a perfect team. I, no doubt in my mind, they'll be competing in this uh, coming World Cup if he's healthy. Um, but on the topic of that, you know, England uh, in that first half, they sat back after they scored. And honestly, for the first half, I'd say it worked because Italy just could not mm-hmm. break them down, right? Italy, uh, we've seen them score with ease throughout the tournament, you know, multiple games where they scored three goals. Um, but they just could not break down England with this uh, double pivot and the five back. But after many, many chances, Bonucci finally buries a deflected shot off the corner to tie the game in the 67th minute. Um, I don't know how you guys felt really about the goal. It was it was a little bit messy. I, I, a few mistakes here and there, but, you I know, s- luck has coming. to run out at some point for I England, saw it right? coming because... <clears throat> They, after they scored the, so they scored in the second minute, I say up until like the 10th, 15th minute, they were actually playing well. They were still being aggressive. But then, like you said, after that, they just sat back. And I think the difference from the first half of the second half, which I mean, you could sort of come to expect it, obviously with exhaustion, everything. The first half when they sat back, it was organized. There was communication. There was still pressure once they got into their third, um, especially from the front. But when you got into the second half, Harry Kane did absolutely nothing dreadful in his second half. He, he looked like he was playing on one lung, like he was a hungover or something like that, like from, from the pubs. I don't know what's going on, but he, he wasn't putting any pressure at all on um, Chiellini or Bonucci. So they just had all the time in the world to ping balls wherever they wanted to. Honestly, what I would have done 
was I would have probably dropped someone like a Jorginho or a Verratti in between both of them. So he could be the one playing those balls and maybe sub in someone like Bernadeschi or Bellotti who can come into that striker role and kind of play as a false nine more so. Um, but the goal I saw coming, look who it was. It was Harry Kane. I couldn't get to the ball first. He got beat to the ball by Benucci. Like that's he, just because he was exhausted. I don't know. I don't know what was going on with him. Southgate still doesn't know what he's doing. Um, hands down, the worst manager in the world, in my opinion. Um, that's harsh. That's nah, harsh. I don't know about that so one. Bad. Explain nah, yourself. Explain he's yourself. Horrible. He's horrible. If you if he had actually made the proper subs and even lined up the team properly, you guys wouldn't have had to go to penalties. If you That's had actually subbed too. in, yeah. If you had actually subbed in Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho, maybe before the hundred and what eighteenth minute, so they can actually get a feel for the ball, so their first touches aren't the penalties. Mm-hmm. Maybe you guys would have actually won. If you had actually given the penalty to Jack Grealish because he asked, maybe you guys would have won instead of giving it to nineteen-year-old Bukayo Saka who had a great tournament. But let's be honest here: never took a professional penalty before. He's nineteen years old. That's so much pressure to put on a kid. Not only did you put him in the in, in this in the lineup for the five penalty takers over Jack Grealish and Raheem Sterling, you put him fifth. Like, what's going on? And apparently, sixth and seventh were going to be like Kyle Walker and yeah, Calvin man. Phillips. Like, they he, weren't even like I don't know what these guys did to Gareth but he does not like them. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, and and like honestly, Jack Grealish came out. He even said on Twitter, like, he said he wanted to take one. So the fact it, it would have been a different, a different story. If and I would agree with all the media guys saying, Oh, you can't let a young kid um take a penalty before you. If Jack Grealish and Raheem Sterling just sat back, like I can't really speak for Raheem Sterling and seeing if he actually said you only take a penalty, whatever. But I know Jack Grealish did. So the fact that he did and you said no, just I don't know what kind of beef you have with him. I don't know what he said to you before or whatever. We need to get over that because that's someone he needs, he should be one of the first names on the list. Um but yeah, that was my uh, mini. I was just a bit heated at that, even though I'm happy Italy won because I didn't, I didn't want to have to hear all the, oh, it's home, nah, 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 whatever, all that type of stuff. Oh, 100%. Uh, it, yeah. I, I can't go as far as to say he's the worst manager in the world. I think he's massively, massively overrated, like extremely overrated. Uh, but you can't put back the fact that, you know, two deep runs for England in international tournaments. Like, I put that down to the players. Because the, the yeah, it's that's exactly what I'm about squad. to get to. That's what I'm about, exactly what I'm about to get to. Mm. My argument is, is that yeah, he's had two deep runs, but if he didn't have that talent, would he make that deep run? Right? We've seen a few adjustments. You know, he tactically completely outclassed Germany. Um, other than that, I'd say he had a cakewalk run to the final. I mean, and the Denmark game, like the verdict's still out on that because we don't really know whether or not that was a dive, that was a penalty, uh, the second ball in the field. Uh, the laser pointed in Casper Schmeichel's eye. There, there's so many different things that we can talk about in terms of that Denmark game. I don't really want to be a sore loser on that front. England made the final. They made, uh, you know, they they had a great tournament. They deserved it, right? But I'd say their side of the bracket was very, very easy to get through. So it's hard to say, you know, he made a final. So how can you say he's shite, right? But it's it's just it's difficult because there's some like for example bone i'm gonna i want to hear your take on this as an arsenal fan with bukayo saka do you think he should have been on much earlier uh do you think he should have been on at all do you think he was what england needed? i think he played well when he had his chances personally yeah um i want to also get your take on the whole chiellini t- uh top foul because there's oh, a lot bone. of people that i don't think i've ever seen football that automatically think that's like a violation that should be put in jail for 
Well, I, I want to hear your take you, on all this. I have to ask you afterwards about your little exhibition game the other day about oh, uh, yeah. Hibernian. We can talk about that after. But oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So a couple things to get to. Um, first off, Bukai Osaka. Yeah, I think you have to include him uh, in the final. I mean, I think, you know, there's always going to be talk about there's no one is ever going to be universally happy over Southgate's decisions and what squad, squad he brings to the line uh, to the table just because there's so many attacking options. Um, I think he got it right, but I think definitely putting Bukayo Saka as the fifth penalty taker, which is arguably the most important penalty to take, is a grave mistake. And that's already been talked to death, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but definitely mistake. Uh, should Saka have started? Yes, I, I think he should have. So I think he got that right. Uh, what was the second question that was posed? Um, the foul on uh, by Keeley. Yeah, How I, did you feel about it? Yeah, like, I there's don't nothing think... cynical about that. It's just I agree. part of the game, right? I think I totally agree. I think if you were to send uh, Keeley off there, I think it totally destroys the flow of the game. Um, and I don't, the referee never wants to be the center of attention in that moment. So I think, yeah, it, it is what it is. That's football. Uh, you know, it'd be very harsh to give a red card there or sending off in that scenario. So I think the call was right on that. And uh, as for the rest of the game, I mean, what do you guys have to think? I'll, I'll throw it back to you guys. What do you guys have to think of, you know, Southgate's dis- decisions in terms of like his lineups? Because I believe he used three different formations throughout the tournament. He was never really able to pick a certain, you know, standard of play. What do you guys make of that? Because I do think that ended up costing them uh, to an extent in the end. Yeah, that's something like at whatever level, like even like at our level, like if you're a teenager or whatever, if your manager keeps switching around formation, it does sort of mess with you because it's with every formation, it's a different system in some way. Mm-hmm. So they were able to obviously get away with it for the most part because it still made it to the final in a relatively, I'll say, easier bracket than the other side. Um, so they got away with it. If Would they have been able to do that when they were in the same bracket as like the France, Italy, Spain, I don't know. It's it's a lot tougher that way because like anything, you need to, it doesn't matter if you're a pro, whatever, you need to get used to your system. So sticking with one thing and just working on it, perfecting it is what you need to do, not keep switching it around. Um, the one thing I'll give him, I'll, I'll give him a little bit like of, of room to breathe is that team is so deep. So choosing your start, it's not like you have a clear cut 11 only. You have so many guys on that team, which I can argue relatively, you can make a case for all of them starting for a certain type of game. Right. Yeah. So I give him a little bit of room in terms of, okay, switching on formation. Cause you have so many guys that you need to sort of incorporate. And even then Jaden Sancho barely style the pitch. Marcus Rashford barely saw the pitch. Um, someone as young as like, cause I still like him. Jude Bellingham barely saw the pitch. Like mm-hmm. it was, it's still one of those things. So I give him a little bit of room for, uh, for switching on formations though. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty, you know, I think that's actually a pretty reasoned level-headed take. I, I respect that a lot. Um, in terms of, like, Southgate being the worst manager in the world, going back to that, uh, I know I'm kind of going backtracking here, but I definitely think that England's performance getting to this point, I, I would agree Milan would have to be down to, you know, they had an easier bracket. Um, how far do you guys think? you know, how far do you guys think England would have made it had they been on the op- opposite side? Because I think they probably would have made the semis, but I don't see them getting to the actual final on that side. I think had they been on that side, best case scenario is semis. But I think when you think it's England, round of 16. I mean, 
it's yeah, I I sort I do agree with that. I mean, um, they I lost the Iceland Euro 2016 in the round of 16. So is it really yeah. that far fetched? Like, yes, yeah. it was Roy Hodgson. Yes, it was different team. talent. That's yeah, fair. but here's here's my also rationale for that. Uh, you mentioned Harry Kane earlier. The issue with Harry Kane playing for England is that I don't believe Gareth Southgate like actually tries to play through Harry Kane. I mean, we've got a player that's just coming off a season where he was top goal scorer and top assistant in, I'd say, the top two to three most difficult league, right? Arguably number one, but top two to three for sure, right? Um, he's not getting the ball, right? Because you're playing this formation that just does not give your striker the ball, does not give him the freedom. And you're playing him solo up front. The reason he's been able to get these assists is because he was able to play off of Sun throughout the season, right? When he's not getting that opportunity to play off of Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish, any any creative creative player of that sorts, how is he going to be effective, right? Like, yeah, he's looking like a pen merchant. This guy's four goals, and I, the, not one of them to me is memorable. I got maybe the one in the semis, and that was because Castro Schmeichel still saved it at first. It was it was mm-hmm. a tap in, right? There's nothing that I'm like, wow. Harry Kane had a good tournament. And I blame that personally completely on Gareth Southgate because he's not making the most of his best players, right? He, I'll give him credit that he has a lot of talent to work with and it's hard to choose because I saw, um, just to shout out Nigel on uh, on Twitter, he was saying, I don't know why uh, uh, Mason Mounts played throughout this tournament. He's a fraud, blah, blah, blah. I and Me personally, I can't judge a 20, 21-year-old as a fraud when the guy's career just started. Um and the thing is, is that he, there's a reason Mason Mount starts for all these teams, right? There's a reason that Thomas Tuchel, um, well, I'm not really going to speak on Frank Lampard's managerial stint, but uh, Frank Lampard as well, uh, Gareth Suckett, they, there's a reason they all want him in the side and at some capacity. But there was a point where Gareth Suckett should have looked at that final and said, you know, we have a little bit of a little bit of momentum here. We need a little bit of more creativity. We need to change up the formation just a tad, and then we can compete here, right? If he brought on Jack Grealish a little bit earlier, creativity, there you go. There You have the chance to put uh, Harry Kane through. You have someone like Jaden Sancho and uh, Marcus Rashford. I still don't believe Marcus Rashford should have been called up purely because he's playing through injury, and th- there's just no need to waste that. Like, it, Had he gone hurt and he missed this whole season, that would have been much worse, and I guarantee you Gareth Southgate would have gotten a lot more stick, right? But for the sake of, let's say he was healthy, he should have been playing a lot earlier to bomb down the wings, you know, use that pace because mm-hmm. Italy was getting a little bit tired, right? Italy, although like through the game, I believe they had 17 shots on goal. I showed that they, they were pushing on England the entire match. To, as, and as we mentioned in the penalties, throwing in like younger players that are cold, didn't get a chance to warm into the game yet for the penalty shootout, I... I don't know. Arguably, uh, you can say Rashford should have scored his penalty because he's the penalty taker for his club side. Yes, Bruno Fernandes has taken them. Cavani has taken them. But we've seen Jane, uh, we've seen Marcus Rashford take penalties against PSG and a, a crucial second leg. Like, Marcus Rashford should have scored. Nerves got to him. That's that's football, right? Um, Sancho, pretty poor penalty. I didn't expect him to score. It, we don't really see Sancho score penalties. We don't, when he plays for Dortmund, he's not the penalty taker, right? um Saka I won't even touch on that but I really want to talk on this you know that has been talked about for days and days on end the abuse that these players have received on the social medias 
on everything of that sort. It, it's absolutely disgusting. And just, I don't even know how to, like, how does that the first thing? That, like, because the issue is us three watching, we knew what was going to happen on social media when they missed those penalties, right? We knew what was going to happen. I think that's really sad, to be honest, that we, even before it happened, as soon as they missed, everyone knew that this would be the response by mm-hmm. all the racist pricks that have to be, you know, all whatever. They cheer for them when we win, but when we lose, oh, you're this X, Y, Z, whatever. And it's not just black players, it's everything. You know, it's it's also with Germany, with Germany, it's all these kinds of guys that are immigrants to their country, um, where as soon as we lose, yeah, now you're the outsider. Now, why are you here? All, all, all that type of bullshit. But, oh, sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't know if I could cuss Don't go on, go on, go on. But, you know, I think that was really sad that we actually had to think about, okay, this is actually what's going to happen. Um, and then another thing, just depending on how you want to look at it, it's crazy that like only after some some really ugly, horrible stuff like this happens is when you see the most beautiful things where the whole community, like if you look at uh, Rashford's mural in Manchester United, all the United fans there posting letters, um, all these all these different things, thanking Marcus Rashford, everything he's done. Because obviously Marcus Rashford, even though as young as he is, He's one of those guys where he's just as big as, if not bigger, outside of the pitch. Everything he does for, for you know, the less privileged kids in uh, in, in England, um, it's, it's it's one of those things. So it's really nice to see that people acknowledge that and are still very supportive of him, even though there are people that you know obviously use color to hate on people. But yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I don't know, it, it's just horrible that this happened. It, it's it's heartbreaking just to know that like why is it that if you're messed up at your job, like you can just get berated like this on social media, like, like night and day. And like, it's not even just these players. Like there are so many clips I saw throughout TikTok on Twitter of like people at like watch parties and then they find black people and they just start abusing them. Like, this is your fault. Like what, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you talking? It, like, this is sports like how can you address people this way like it's it's disgusting that this has to happen to anyone and um there's a lot of petitions that are being spread around throughout the united kingdom right now one specifically that's being spread around throughout like the big uh content creators is uh being uh, a requirement to have id on you when you sign up Mm -hmm. for social media in case Mm -hmm. you know if you do something Mm -hmm. stupid like a lot of these people have done Let's track you down. Let's let's not have yeah. you hide behind a little picture of uh, I don't know which player, you know, because it's always those people that have the the, uh, the DPS of you know mm. Marcus Rashford that are going on Twitter and then berating Marcus Rashford or Jaden Sancho or Bukayo Saka. It's it just comes to a point where we can't have that keep happening because we're never gonna be in a position where people are safe in that sense, yeah. right? Actually, I saw this thing, um, Anton Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand's brother. Yeah. He ended up saying this thing. And I, I honestly, I agree with him. He was saying that England shouldn't be able to hold any major sporting events until they can get this, the racism under control. Because, you know, it's, it's crazy where it's a sport like football where it's international. Every country on the planet plays football. It's not like, you know, okay, basketball, there's some European players, but it's mainly American players predominantly. Um, hockey, same thing. It's it's played a little bit of everywhere, but more or less, it's usually it's it's just the white population in America, right? There's the there's a one in a few um, ethnic players, but football, 
everywhere. Every you got people from from if you look at I don't know, just Liverpool just came to my mind, for example. Yeah. Your center backs from the Netherlands, okay, that's in Europe. When your wingers Cameroon. Is, yeah. When your wingers is from what Senegal, um Sadio Egypt. Mane, Egypt, you know, you another one in Brazil. So it's just like it's all over the place, a lot of these football teams. And it's crazy that that stuff still happens, even though there's such a diversity on the teams themselves. But yeah. How would you guys feel if, um, you know, ID was needed to be like right to register for like a, so do you think that's like the right way to go about it? Do you think that is that what's going to kind of help this kind of situation or. I would, I'd be okay with it for me. Cause I mean, you got to do something, something has to happen. And it's like, you know, the people saying like, Oh, why do I forgive my idea? Then just don't get it. Don't get social media. You don't need social media. You know what I mean? So if you don't want to put it in, don't get it. But I think I think I don't see any problem with it. It's just whole, the whole point of it is holding people accountable for your actions. So no more of this blind hate mail. KD can't have no more burner account. You know what I'm saying? It was, <laughs> he's got to own up to it, talk shit on his own account. You know? <laughs> but yeah, and he does I'm, to I'm, be I'm fair. He does. He does now. Yeah, he does. But you know what I mean? Who? How? How do we know he doesn't do it on all these other crazy, crazy accounts? But yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough issue and. Um, you know, my thoughts and prayers, well, not really prayers, but thoughts are with uh, the players that have been dealing with this kind of, these kind of situations and not just from this, but for forever now. Right. And um, I hope this doesn't really, you know, ruin their talent and their, you know, their confidence going forward because, you know, all three of these players are stars, you know, they're fantastic for the sport. Uh, I've ever since earlier on this season, I've, believe it was the round of 16 in the Europa League I've been a huge huge fan of Bukayo Saka I think he's for me arguably maybe Aubameyang other than him I'd say Saka is Arsenal's current best player because of what he brings to that team the versatility he has and he's he's got a very very bright future ahead of him at only 19 years of age he's gonna be a fantastic player we already know about Rashford and Sancho also still so so young but great great players that have already achieved so much in their in their respective fields yeah um i think i think because he's just young so he's got all that you know the pep in his steps so he's still very energetic all that kind of stuff he you know he doesn't have to go into an ice bath every after every session you know what i mean he's still fresh all the time so it's really good to see that about young players nowadays but yeah um anyways but on the topic of just finishing off how the game really went. Italy, uh, I'd say well-deserving champions. You know, they become the first champion to win uh, two or multiple games on penalty shootouts. No team has ever done that. That's won the tournament. They won the semifinal versus Spain and the final versus England. Um, and I guess a lot of that can be credited to uh, a certain goalkeeper that I won't really mention by name. Um, how do you guys feel about him being player of the tournament or awarded that? Because I, I think, honest, and it's, if he played for my club, I promise you this will be the exact same opinion. I believe that's the most undeserving award I've seen in my life. Really? Your wife? There, if we're going based on only five players mm. on Italy that would deserve over him, I already have five on Italy alone. We're, let's not talk about England, France. Even though France went out early, I think Pogba had a fantastic tournament. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, even players on Denmark – that could potentially be in that mold. Um, but what about Italy? Know. Who are your players on Italy that you would give it to so over, over Donnarumma? The five players I pick ahead of Donnarumma for, or, oh my God, I said his name. 
Uh, that's the boogeyman. Um, ahead of him, I, I picked Spinazzola, number one. 100%. Ahead of him. I think Chiellini had a better tournament than him. Verratti, Chiesa, and I think Barella had a better tournament. Wow, you said Chiesa. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm not mad at that at all. I'm not mad at it. Uh, I don't mind him getting the award. Uh, you know, I think good for him. Um, when you look at the penalties, him and – well, I mean, I guess maybe it's just because those teams had the most, like, penalty shootouts – but him and uh, Jan Sommer for Switzerland yeah. are amazing keepers. Like I knew about Jan Sommer, you know, obviously on, on Gladback, all that kind of stuff. But if you look at their penalties, like they're diving the right way, all, even whether or not they save it or not. He, they're diving he the dove right, way. right on Harry Kane's pen. Like he yeah. just nearly got to it. Yeah. So it's mm, impressive yeah. to me that you have such quick reaction time and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Don Ruma, I'm pretty sure he's got that. Uh, I don't think it's a record or anything like that, but he hasn't conceded more than one goal per game. Uh, when he's a goalkeeper for Italy, which I think is pretty crazy. Um, and obviously it, it still technically stood true for the penalty shootout because it was just one goal in regulation time. Um, but yeah, I'm not mad at him getting getting player of the tournament, but you're not wrong with, with that list. Spinazzola, I think, probably would have got it if he didn't get injured. Uh, he had a crazy standout tournament. Um, but so I don't yeah. know as well, because I think he really got it because he saved them in the penalty shootout. Like it was more like a finals MVP kind of award than it was player. Yeah. Because, because in my opinion, I don't think he was tested that much. He had a few, you know, big saves that I throughout the tournament. I remember against mm. Belgium, he had a f- massive, massive save on a De Bruyne shot. Um, but other than that, I don't feel he was actually tested that much throughout the tournament. Jan Sommer for me, much, much more tested, much more deserved. If we were going to give it to a goalkeeper, that's a, a player of the tournament that I would give. Right. Yeah. Yes, he went out early, but that's a, like a goalkeeper, the deserved player of the tournament. Yeah, he mm. came up big in the penalties, and I, I respect it. But the thing is, me personally, I know he's good at penalty saves, right? That's what that's his his bread and butter, right? Coming into the penalty, the cursed penalty shooter against Rio Ave uh, earlier on the season, he was at eighty percent saved penalties. Mm-hmm. You know how crazy that is to save eighty percent of the penalty shot at you. You face the likes of uh, Belotti, Ronaldo uh Dybala all these kind of players in Italy Lukaku and you saved 80% of the penalties shot at you that's unbelievable and Milan concedes a lot of penalties we we play Juventus a lot we concede a lot of penalties right so that's why me personally I think it was a very undeserving I don't know Bone what do you think oh here we go again um (laughs) cut that out um yeah, Milan, in terms of player of the tournament, um, I think just because – I think you give it to Donnarumma just because he stepped up in the biggest moment. He made a tournament-winning save. I believe he only conceded three goals all tournament to Austria uh, in the semifinal to Spain and then to England, obviously, in the final. So, I, But obviously, that's – as you said, he wasn't tested that much. That's a big testament to the defenders in front of him. In terms of player of the tournament, for me, I just go Chiesa just because he was – he didn't score in the final, but he was phenomenal in that game. I feel he scored in the semifinal. I believe he scored against Austria as well. Like he was scoring in all these, almost all the knockout games. So he was a, he was great. Um, and, but yeah, I, I'd give it to Chiesa, but I don't see how it's a travesty that Donnarumma got it either. Did you guys see just recently, I think it was just this morning, uh, Chelsea offered a hundred million to uh, Juventus for Chiesa. I actually saw it on your social media, but I don't, believe it and i don't but the thing is i don't think he's not worth 100 million when you see the price of some other players when they have an english passport right you think so 100 million because because if his name was frederick church (laughs) he's worth 200 million right 
Yeah, because, because his name's not Phil Foden, he, it's like, why is he really worth 100 million? But if he was Phil Foden, you go, oh, yeah, but he plays for City, but he's English. All of a sudden, you give the benefit of the doubt there. And I don't think that's really deserving. I think 100 million, it's considering this market, considering, you know, how inflated this market has been over the years. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw Neymar go for 220 million. Is he deserving of it? 100%. But players being worth over 100 million is mind boggling, right? Um, I just, I just think from the perspective that okay, Jaden Sancho came to United for what ninety mil with add-ons and everything, and we're, and we're saying Kies is a hundred. I don't think there's that much. Of the, I, I actually say that was I a little bit of negotiation, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, what you were for Kies or for Sancho? For Sancho, because yeah, we know Chelsea has the money; they don't have to negotiate; they'll just spend, right? Yeah, and that's how Chelsea's yeah. been forever. When you have Roman Abramovich giving you uh, <laughs> oil money, you're you're fine. Yeah, that's true. But on the topic of that, just a quick uh, transfer update that today uh, Fabrizio Romano reported that Griezmann and Sewell have both given their clubs the green light in the last few hours in terms of a swap deal that will help Barca balance the books. So Saul would be going to um, Barcelona with Griezmann going to uh, back to Atletico Madrid, back to his roots. Um, How do you guys feel about that? Love it. I, I I never really wanted Griezmann to leave Atletico. I feel like he fits that that style of play so perfectly. Like he embodies what a forward is supposed to be for Atletico. Obviously, Diego Simeone being there completely changed the culture and just made it so that literally everyone will defend. And you can see that you even saw it in the zeros, 86 minute Griezmann's running down guys on Germany, slide tackles, everything. Like he's I love his game so much. I, I'd love to see him back on Atletico especially now that he's got guys like Joao Felix, he's got Luis Suarez for however much longer he's, he's willing to stay there. Um, if he goes back, they literally, I think they have a very big chance of, of, you know, really challenging to win Liga again. Interesting. Um, I think it would be crazy to see him go back considering he burned his bridges pretty badly there with the whole decision. I believe it was on Netflix or some kind of video to announce yes. he was staying and then did another one the next year to announce he's leaving. Uh, so I don't know how well he would go over in the red and white portion of Madrid. But yeah, as, as you mentioned, Scott, I think he would definitely add a t- totally new force. I mean, he'd slide right back into that starting 11. But I think the big issue there is like the wages, like how would Barcelona, like how would they offload those wages? So it would be, it'd be a tough negotiation process and I wouldn't want to be the Barcelona board negotiating that transfer whatsoever. They're such a mess right now. Like even getting on, getting rid of Antoine Griezmann, you're still not close to balancing your books. Like, I don't even know. How did you even get like, okay, you bought Philippe Coutinho for how much? 120 mil. Yep. Something like that. And now you're willing to sell them for 20 to 30 mil. Like this is the type of business that you, that has gotten you guys in this position. Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah, they, they wasted the, they wasted the Neymar funds entirely. I believe mm-hmm. Dembele was, Guzman Dembele was about 80. Uh, Griezmann went for, went for a lot. Uh, it's a mess, but do you guys think quickly on this, do you guys think Barca is going to get out of this kind of scot free or are they gonna are they gonna go through some issues in the next coming years? I think they'll go through some issues personally. I think clubs like Barcelona just get saved eventually. I think uh, you know, I think somehow, some way they'll make it through. Um, at the end of the day, Messi's still gonna resign a five year deal, which I'd rather he's gonna cut his wages massively. Five just years. To put, 
yeah, I read that he's signing a five-year deal. How old is he um, now? 34? Yeah, so he'd be he'd so most likely be retiring there. Um, you know, and he's cutting his wage wages massively. So when you have a player like Leo Messi there, like you're making money no matter what, right? And it's true. Even without him, you're still you're Barcelona. You're still going to be making money because Spanish football is the biggest attraction. You know, La Liga just uh, was given uh, TSN was just given rights to La Liga, so a lot more um, a lot more viewership for the Spanish side of football in uh, in Canada and the U.S. So it's um, I don't I don't think they'll get out scot free per se, but I, I think they'll be fine. I think that that's the best way to put it. Uh, seeing as we have about four minutes left in this recording, do you want to get any more thoughts on any any football stuff, or do we want to get to uh, Kejogador? Let's do Kejogador. All right. Do you want to go first, Moen? Uh, yeah, just just quickly, Skyler. Do you kind of know what Kejogador would be like? Or... I'm assuming it's your standout players, or more so just someone that's done something throughout the week that like you want to give a quick shout out to, like a okay, any like sport? a what what a player, yeah, yeah anything, any literally anything. Um, okay. I'd say my Kejogador. Last week I had Casper Schmeichel for the it has it ever came home. Uh, this week I'll put in I'll put in Bonucci because Bonucci went to the wow. microphone and he goes, "It's coming to Rome, yeah. it's coming to Rome," <laughs> and he finally shut up those guys that kept yelling, "It's coming home." <laughs> he let you let him know. So you know I would never give a UV player uh, a Kejogador, but I guess today today's the day. Holy smokes! Especially a rat like Bonucci, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Racist rat, but whatever. Oh shit! Anyways, uh, Bowen, you can. Yeah, I'm gonna go Messi, uh, just based off what he achieved over the weekend, winning the Copa America, and you know taking. Uh, I I respect this a lot. Uh, taking a pay cut to you know end his career at Barcelona, so. Uh, pretty pretty solid week for him, you'd have to say. A Ballon yeah. d'Or, a Copa America, and a Kejogador. This guy is living life this year. <laughs> Honestly, I actually probably would have went for Donnarumma because he put on his story too. Actually, I think Milan, you sent me that story. Um, oh, oh that, saying, one funny. that one was funny. Yeah, that him was saying funny. it's coming home. Um, but I don't know. I might have to switch it to. I don't even know if this counts. You know, RDC World One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Supreme Shout out Dreams? to yeah, Supreme Dreams. Shout out to Mark Phillips, man. Uh, they met J. Cole, I think earlier this, this week. No, not this week. This was week. it earlier this week? Yeah. Holy smoke. Yeah. So you met J. Cole earlier this week. Uh met LeBron James yesterday for the Space Jam premiere. Um, those guys, I've been a fan I'm of them 36. for years. Yeah. I've been a fan of those guys for years. Back when it was like just the stuff out of their, I mean, I guess still it is it is still technically in their house, uh, the stuff they film. I like it because like their video is it's it's very relatable. You know what I mean? It's very, very it's like, genuine. It's very genuine. Yeah, it's like low budget wa- sort of. I was watching their Naruto tournament. Yeah, yeah. Like there was like a uh, uh, an, an Avengers battle royale thing they did before. So definitely them. That that's my that's my casual door. I like that. I like that. All right. I think considering the time restraints that we have due to Zoom, I think Bowen, this is our chance to wrap it up and uh, give a quick shout out to Skyler. Yeah, Skyler, uh, you got the floor. Do you want to show any any platform, any social media? Go ahead. Uh, just thank you guys for having me so much. I appreciate it. I'll try to make this quick, but uh, everyone just go check out the podcast. I have it on Instagram. I got next podcast underscore uh, by Skyler Gonzalez, obviously by me. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll link that me. in the description. I'll link that in the description. Thank you very much. Uh, well, for Bowen, Moan, and Skyler, this has been another episode of Slightly by Sports Talks. Again, Skyler, thank you uh, uh, so much for coming on to the show today. First guest, of course. So, um, yeah, guys, any more, uh, any, any last thoughts or are we good to, uh, we good to close we're, it out? We're good to close it out.
Well, thanks everybody for uh, all the support on the show. We appreciate it as always. And uh, we'll be back within the next week. Until next time, take it easy. Out of here. Later. All right, I'll uh, close this off and uh, yeah.